Welcome to Into Theology. We're going to try to talk about Calvin's view of baptism and the Lord's you Supper. Introduce me. What's going on here? I'm not going to introduce you. You're you're actually so well known on the internet. You're basically a celebrity <laughs> pastor. I don't know. What a There's going to be a podcast series made about you in 20 years. Yeah. <laughs> a detailed one. It's going to be awful. It's going to be <laughs> the equivalent of like that Mars Hill one they're doing on freaking. <laughs> That's what I was thinking of. <laughs> like, oh shoot, I'm screwed. <laughs> so I go down in infamy. Yeah, I mean, I have. <laughs> I don't have a very good view. Of They're going to interview you. I know it. And then like Mike, Mark Cosper, or whatever his name is, is going to yep. interview you and all this nasty stuff's going to come out. In fact, yeah. Out. In fact, we'll have this conversation. <laughs> we'll recollect about it. It's going to be amazing. Right. Remember this when we a... prophesied? <laughs> it's a prophecy. <laughs> a wonderful way to, to start this. Uh, yes. Baptism in the Lord's My Supper. My name is Ian Clary, by the way. Ian I teach, Clary. I teach historical is... theology at CCU, Colorado Christian University. This is my friend, Jim Griffin. Jim Griffin. And, yep. and, and I am a financial analysis for analyst 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 yeah. analyst analyst for cnn yeah for CNN. <laughs> uh so we're gonna i mean we're on tgc i mean what's the difference honestly politically what's the difference between cnn and tgc canada i mean we're we're probably more left-wing than them so that's that's a word that you said those are things that you just said yep mm-hmm. uh okay so lord's supper and baptism yeah is uh the thing that we're going to try to cover which is huge now i I actually didn't read the Lord's Supper stuff yet, but I've spent a year thinking about Calvin Lord's Supper and I read all of his other stuff and, and this prior to our meeting, but I, just I, 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 his... I teach this. So like my okay. students actually have to work through this section every yeah. spring in historical theology too. So, and then we also uh, looked at baptism, which I just read freshly. So I'm excited for this conversation. We'll see how it goes. We're going to try to do this in about 25 minutes. Cause you got to teach class soon. Yeah. Um, and you are getting your car fixed. And that's and why I was getting my, this. my, we're doing this car. late. Yeah. Oil they don't, the, our listeners so, don't know and don't care, but we have to do a very cor- a corrective thing. So we're going to move from CNN to Breitbart on this <laughs> podcast. <laughs> that we're, we're fair and balanced, just like Fox News, which is the only fair and balanced news. That's right. News source on, <laughs> on the Lord's Supper of Baptism. Uh, okay. Goodness. So you wanted to read Calvin or I wanted yeah. you to read Calvin. Yeah. Uh, well, I take 13, all my directives 10, from you. Section nine, chapter 15, where Calvin goes buck wild on allegory. And I love it. <laughs> Uh, if if we were more professional we'd have to stop and start this over but we're not no i think we really we've really been good and edifying here i think so well i mean this all fits right with what we were talking about in the last episode with with the sacraments what a sacrament is he's following the augustinian formula as a sign uh, of a thing that, that signifies a spiritual reality and so now he's dealing with these two particular signs baptism and the lord's supper and uh, interesting, you know, as you pointed out on page 1310, that whole section there, uh, number nine, uh, where he does, he gives a kind of like, you might call it typological or even an allegorical reading, uh, both of uh, the Red Sea and the, the cloud uh, from uh, Exodus. So I'm going to read this. And this is kind right, of right sort- before you do. I just yeah. want to know that he, he does also an anagogical reading a few pages later. Oh, okay. I wonder he what he actually calls that. it anagog- anagogy, rather. Oh, there you go. Interesting. Anyways, go I, on. Sorry. I forgot that. All right. So let's start reading uh, here under number nine on page 1310 in the Lewis Battles edition of the Institutes. So Calvin says, uh, these things which we have said, both of mortification and of washing, were foreshadowed in the people of Israel, who were on this account said by the apostle to have been baptized in the cloud and in the sea. And there he's referencing 1 Corinthians 10.2. Mortification was symbolized when the Lord rescuing his people from the domination and cruel bondage of Pharaoh 
made a way for them through the Red Sea and drowned both Pharaoh himself and the Egyptian army who are in hot pursuit and almost at their backs. For in the same way, he also promises us in baptism and shows us by a sign given that by his power, we've been led out and delivered from bondage in Egypt, that is from the bondage of sin, that our Pharaoh, that is the devil, has been drowned, although he does not cease to harry us and weary us. As the Egyptian, however, has, was not cast into the depth of the sea, but left lying on the shore, still terrified, the, uh, still terrified the Israelites by his frightful appearance, yet could not harm them. So too, this enemy of ours still threatens, brandishes his weapons, is felt, but cannot conquer. In the cloud, there was a symbol of cleansing. Uh, for as the Lord covered them with a cloud and gave them coolness, that they might not weaken and pine away in the merciless heat of the sun, so do we recognize that in baptism we are covered and protected by Christ's blood, that God's severity, which is truly an unbearable flame, should not assail us. Even though the mystery was then obscure and known to few, uh, still because there is no way to obtain salvation in these two graces, God did not will to take away the tokens of both from the ancient fathers whom he had adopted as his heirs. So he's picked up, he's uh, the, the kind of lead up to this uh, in the first, what, eight or so uh, sections of chapter 15 on baptism. He's talking about those two great themes of, of mortification. So the idea of like it, it has like a, a sin killing element to it. And then this washing um, so that you're, uh, it's, it, it is, it's symbolic of the washing that we have in the blood of Christ. But here he's likening it following on, on Paul, first Corinthians 10 uh, to that, to that, uh, that imagery that we actually see. And it's a foreshadowing, as he says, uh, from the Old Testament. So really neat in terms of how he's kind of drawing these connections together across uh, biblical history. And, uh, and then it, it gives us some, I think, good imagery to really kind of like help right. us keep in mind, like what is actually is happening here when somebody's, when a Christian is being baptized. And the two graces are the cleansing of sins and mortification. Yep. And he actually brings it up again on uh, 1325. And then on 1326, when he's correlating baptism and circumcision, that's when he calls it an anagogic, anagogic, oh, okay, or anagogic yep. relationship, however you pronounce that. Yeah. So it, it's, it's just interesting to see, like, so Calvin's obviously really focused on the historical meaning of the text, but he, he understands that God is the author and can see this, this kind of typological relationship. Like I jokingly called allegory, which it actually is allegory in the traditional sense, but not in the way that we understand it today. Yeah. And, but he's just he's just trying to explain Paul's yeah. the meaning of scripture. Like that's that's yeah. Paul's hermeneutic, right? And he's yeah, just kind it. of picking up on what Paul's saying. And, and he and wants I, he wants to be really careful, right? Because he's he's going to talk about cleansing, but he wants to make sure on thirteen eleven under number ten, mm. he's not taking the Roman Catholic view that says baptism then wipes away original sin and kind of leaves you at a kind of but neutral. Peter place. says baptism now saves us. Yeah, yeah. There you go. But, he, Cal, but Calvin's very, very clear that he he's he's critical of both the Lutherans and the uh, and the Roman Catholics on the idea of baptism um, as a, as a re, as regenerative. Um, he doesn't mm. doesn't seem to agree with that. I don't I don't think. Yeah, I don't uh, think he does. M mainly because he sees it as the like at the top of three thirteen ten the outward sign, but Christ is the author of inward grace. Yeah. Yeah, and he stresses the need for justification. This is a promise that yep. the baptism, the baptism gets its its its, I guess you could say its efficacy or its meaning or something like that from from this idea of a promise first and foremost. And that that's mm -hmm. wherein all of the change will happen in the in the person. Um, and he frequently talks about remembering your your baptism. Yeah, it's like a defense. It's like a defense. Now it's interesting that uh, in, in baptistic circles. Well, the baptism is remembered, but like this is the you know the day that you, you know, made the decision, etc. 
I don't hear that phrase, remember your baptism, mm-hmm. in our circles, typically. I, hear I get it, it, more it. I get it from Dr. Haken. I, whenever okay. I've had hit, heard him lecture on this sort of stuff, yeah. that's where I first heard of that years and years ago. And he, he did it in the context of Luther, because uh, Luther has okay. a very strong view. Like if he felt he was be, coming under satanic attack, he would sometimes he would sometimes cry out at Satan or a demon. Yeah. I'm, I'm baptized. Uh, and that was a means of assurance for him. Yeah. Uh, and I, I wonder why, I just feel like if you're a Baptist, you feel like you'd be the one who would say, remember your, remember your baptism, but yeah, cause you can actually remember it or you're called a Baptist, but the reformed, at least Calvin and other reformed people really draw on this idea of, of remember your baptism because therein is the sign and seal of God's promise. Yeah. And that when you are faltering and failing, your conviction ought to be sure because God's promise in baptism is sure. Yeah. Yeah. What he's doing, because he links both baptism here and he does this with the Lord's Supper, too, is he links both of them to union with Christ, That's right. which is like this inward reality that can't be seen uh, or known from sense perception, I guess. Uh, I don't even know if it could be known by intellectual perception. But anyway, but so what these these two sacraments do is they make it objective. Uh, and so it's put before you in an objective way such that you can remember, right? Uh, that's right. part of the remembrance element of the Lord's Supper too. Um, yeah, to there's, have that a, objective there's, a, there's quality. a physicality to it. Now, yeah. maybe the, the way that I'm reading him, I can maybe summarize it this way. Baptism is a sign and seal of the promise of God. And what it, the effect of it, so that's what it is. The effect of it is both the mortification, i.e. forgiveness of sins, yeah. And or sorry, the cleansing of sins, i.e. forgiveness, and then mortification, the actual genuine transformation. But then the sort of, um, he doesn't use the word metaphysical, but the metaphysical underpinning behind it is our union with Christ. Yeah. And union with Christ is like the, the, the meta concept. Uh, Uh-oh, you, you've been hanging out with Zuckerberg. Really? Meta. meta. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. Well, the metaverse is what's really real. I know. Yeah. That's where We're really in right we now is kind of... <laughs> yeah, you've got a whatever the blue or red pill or whatever the matrix thing is. Um, but anyways, the, the metaphysical reality is union with Christ. The the signs point to the signs of the promise and the effect of baptism is not only cleansing or forgiveness of sins, but mortification and genuine transformation, which is important because actually Calvin holds uh, both the kind of forensic forgiveness and the becoming righteous thing together. And a lot of times I think in reform circles, we either don't or people accuse us of uh having no transformation idea because it's all forensic yeah, right, totally right. false yeah um anything that you like before we get to lord's supper anything oh, there's, that was really cool yeah there's a bunch of things we should look at like right at the very beginning he talks about how baptism well he uses the, the sign language here right so baptism is the sign of the initiation oh, by, which yes. we're, by which we are received into the society of the church in order that engrafted in christ we may be reckoned among his children. adoption is another effect isn't it yeah, and so we're initi- this is a, an initiatory rite, but it's, it's, it's a signifier, again, linked to union with Christ. He says, now baptism was given to us by God for these ends. Uh, first, to serve our faith before him. Secondly, to serve our confession before men. Um, so it's, a, it's got a, both a vertical and a horizontal uh, elements uh, uh, to it. And uh, he says, the first thing that the Lord sets out for us is that baptism should be a token and proof of our cleansing. Uh, it's like a sealed document to confirm to us that all our sins are so abolished, remitted, and effaced that they can never come to a site, be recalled, or charged against us. It's like, wow, like that. I love that. Like there was, uh, so I'm a I'm Baptistic in my theology. Um, there was so much in, in Calvin, the Pado Baptist's treatment of baptism here 
that I was just like, yes, this is awesome. I love it. You know, well, and that yeah. whole section there, it's just like, wow, like this is, this is like a, it's almost like this like promissory document that you can come and say, listen, you know, I don't, I've been baptized and it's, it, I, I'm always hesitant using this sort of like kind of strong language about how I approach God, but it's like, God, you have to, <laughs> you have to. Well, no, but he have to me. because he agreed to. Yeah, he agreed to, of course. It's um, by two unbreakable, the binding like, of God, right? right? In the I mean, covenant. think of Hebrews 6, God both promises, but then gives you the sign. It's, it's his oath. The oath. In this case, the oath would be the sign. Yeah. Now, I, what I, it was so helpful for me. Well, he says that right there. He, he Right after in the next paragraph, he uses the language of insignia, right? Okay. Uh, he says, as soldiers bear the insignia of their commander as a mark of their profession, I have not weighed what was the chief point in baptism. Uh, it, it was to receive baptism with a promise. He who believes in his baptized yep. will be saved. So he's saying it's 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 a, it's an insignia. When I teach baptismal theology in my intro to theology class, I actually have a picture of a Roman, uh, I think the, the symbol, the sign for the, the insignia for the, uh, the Roman legion, because nice. that's where that kind of language comes from. It's like, it's a badge of honor that we wear. Yes. Uh, so then the promise there is so close that you'll be uh, believe and be baptized. And so in, in Acts, you have the same thing. And one of the, I think sometimes because we th theologize and we try to systematize, we separate belief and baptism into their categories that are notionally correct to separate. Yeah. But experientially, I'm not sure we should think that way. Like notionally, yeah. Like you think, oh yeah, well, of course you were generated in your baptism, you know. But um, I actually think just the experience of faith, the way that the New Testament is laid out, you should believe and you're, you shouldn't necessarily notionally make all these separations, just get baptized and experience the sign yeah. and remember that as God's promise. And I think maybe we over intellectualize our experience and that can be a little bit of a problem. Um, oh, I think so. Now I want to, I don't I don't think I said this while we we're recording, but as a Baptistic person, I've for a while felt that the meaning of baptism that we believe is really the same as a reformed view. It's the yeah. sign and seal the promise of God in it. There's just a bit of a distinction of when the baptized is baptized before or after, but it, at one level, the meaning remains the same of what baptism signifies. So union with Christ, the sign of God's promise for forgiveness, and the effects are the same when joined by faith, namely adoption, mortification, and cleansing. Yeah. So I'm just, I, I don't, I think there's a bit of a resistance to, uh, Oh, if you're more Baptistic, you shouldn't think about Reformed theology of baptism. But I'd basically argue that it's 99% the same. And you might be a little bit scared of the idea of sacrament, but uh, it's biblical. Yeah. Yeah. And then, and it's funny because where was I just reading it? Where uh, it might have been in some of the secondary reading I was doing here on baptism on, on for Calvin. But like he, he's open to like, you know, the, the idea that you can be baptized by, by sprinkling, you can be baptized by, uh, I'm was it optional here. the way yeah, you want to no, do yeah, it? No, right here. Uh, so I have, it's sorry. It's, it's, I'm actually reading 1320, from, um, where, he where, yeah, it talks about how like baptism is done in the name of the Trinity. And then the persons each have their own particular kind of like function for baptism. And then he doesn't seem to care. Yeah. 1520, uh, where like, whether like it's, it's done by sprinkling or immersion, uh, whether you do it like, um, uh, uh, is it the Didache? I think, uh, that, uh, that says that, you know, the, there's a normative way, but then you should, uh, yeah, I think running, you can running water, blah, running blah, water but then you can also like dunk, yeah. you can either dunk once or you could dunk or do, do the, do it, um, three times or once. Uh, and, and then he, and then it's really kind of like based upon like the custom of like where you're from, uh, and the region that you're from. And so well, I thought yeah. well, that's kind of interesting, you know, that right. kind of openness there. And then even the idea of immersion 
I wonder if Calvin's big problem with like Anabaptist type people on baptism would be really that, 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 that they weren't. It would be legalism. Yeah. And and that they were. As Calvin defines it. Yeah. And that they weren't willing to, um, to countenance infant baptism. Whereas Calvin's like, I'm okay with your baptism. It's just that you got to be okay with mine. Yeah, I think it's, uh, it's a J.C. Ryle, if I remember right, who, who talks about baptism as more of a pastoral application than it is of like some like absolute rule, or if that makes yeah. sense. I'll, I'll say baptism is a rule, like repent to me baptism, but all the manner and how you do it, it's yeah. more of a pastoral task because it's it's a shepherding tool. And sometimes yeah. we abstract baptism, so it's like not really a shepherding tool. It's like this, the two ordinances we don't really talk about, but they're on the wall, and, you know, like, well... But it's a shepherding tool. Yeah, it's yeah. I mean, and there's a this. there's this there's a kind of element of like adiaphora as well, right? With, yeah. with some of these sorts of things. Um, I like the Trinity stuff on thirteen oh eight too, where he says, uh, "Let me see, where's a good spot?" Um, so under number six, it's like at the top of the page there, kind of halfway. He says, "For all the gifts of God, prophet and baptism are found in Christ alone. Uh, yet this cannot take place unless he who baptizes in Christ also uh, invokes also the names of the Father and the Spirit." Um, for we are cleansed by his blood because our merciful father wishing to receive us into grace in accordance with the incomparable kindness has set this mediator among us to gain favor for us in his sight. But we obtain regeneration by Christ's death and resurrection only if we're sanctified by the spirit and imbued with a new and spiritual nature. Um, so he's very Trinitarian, right? And it's so helpful. I, I remember years ago when I was in Toronto, I was, uh, I was uh, part of a a Chinese church, actually, uh, we went to the English ministry because I obviously don't speak any of the Chinese languages. And, uh, I remember we would go and we would, the, the, there'd be the baptism services would be done. I think it was in Mandarin, uh, might've been Cantonese and, uh, the, there'd be a translator and whenever there'd be a baptism, they'd always baptize the person in the name of the father. And I thought it was weird. And after a couple of times witnessing this, asked him, he's like, are they just, are they, is that a translation error here? Is that what they're doing? He's like, no, just, that's what they do. They baptize the name of the father. I'm like, that is so weird. I'm like, because it's the baptism is actually being a sign of incorporation into Christ. And then what Calvin says here, and this is really this idea of the unified operations of the external operations of the spirit of the, the Trinity. Come on, do, do the Latin. Do you remember it? <laughs> I can't remember. I, my, my brain's so broken. It's something, something, whatever. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. Uh, amen. Amen. <laughs> and, uh, but it, it is, it's a it, it, baptism is so Trinitarian and, and we should reflect that, uh, in so, the way we perform our baptism. I was, I was teaching a class recently. Um, and I was talking about, I think more like modalism or something like that, right? Namely, you, you believe God, there's kind of one God, different modes of expression. Yeah. And one That's of the modalism, Patrick. modalism, Patrick, <laughs> and one of the students was like, well, wouldn't this ever be useful? And I was, and this was on like a Monday, two days prior, I had someone over to my house whose family member was a modalism and was, a, was attacking this person and calling them not a Christian because they were a Trini- basically a Trinitarian. And wow. I was like, I don't know, two days ago, I was, t- I was talking to someone about the scripture and going through these passages because they were, had a family split and a, a religious split over modalism versus Trinitarianism. And wow. baptism from the get-go was in the, the singular name of the three, Father, Son, and Spirit. And that worship, that liturgical worship of baptism in the name of the three led people to reject modalism because it was incoherent with what baptism or the cross, you know, or, ba- oh. or, or the baptism of Jesus was anyways, I, I anyways, in my experience, there's, there's a, there's a new movement among non-Mormons back to things like Arianism and modalism. And I think oh. it's getting huge. Really? Point, oh yeah. Like rel- oh. Not huge in the sense of like, I think it's becoming more common online among people. Oh, definitely. I mean, there's, I mean, oneness, 
obviously one is Pentecostalism there, but other. Oh, for sure. TD that's Jakes getting bigger. Is... And I think we're, we have our head in the sand because we're, our targets are more outside, but I think we got to look a little bit closer. Yeah. Um, we should well, jump I mean, to the supper it, because it, of the time, because yeah, you have to yeah, leave we should. like Shoot, 16 minutes. Oh, yeah, 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 right. Uh, well, I mean, it's worth saying too on that Trinitar- Trinitarian element is, um, you know, uh, I mean, he's following again that early church practice. Like, I like that idea of like the 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 three. If you know, you're doing it by immersion, three dunkings in the water. Oh yeah, kind of really explicitly state that. I, I like how then it just it, it puts it before everybody as they're watching this, and it's it's a reminder for them too, right? Like when I'm watching a baptism, that's a reminder for my own self, and to kind of have it so explicit like that. Uh, I think it's just helpful for our own thinking on these things. Hey, Ian, can women baptize? I just literally looked down and read that. <laughs> as soon as she said it, I looked down. And I was like, women not permitted to baptize. We're going to forego that discussion now. <laughs> uh, okay, so well, weird when, you know when that happens? You read some, somebody says something and you read the word at the exact same moment they said it in a different context. So it was like, wow, that's weird. Um, I'll just say too, like, you know, him on infant baptism here, like, again, I'm a, I'm a Baptist, but it didn't like, it didn't seem to me that there was any, like anything egregious about it. Like I thought, oh, I can follow his argument here. This makes sense. I don't really like, I don't like, I didn't take umbrage particularly with anything that he was saying. Um, like, I think what you were saying there, almost like it's, it's so much of the, our baptismal theologies are the same there's a couple yes. of like ordering differences that make it significant. It's kind of like but... an order salutis thing at one. I know there's a bit more to it for, for practice, but order salutis is kind of like the analogy where it's like the order of salvation is, is what we're talking about. Yeah. I mean, he says, like he talks about the blessing of it and it's kind of like hard not to appreciate that. Right. Like on uh, thir- 1331, it remains for us to indicate briefly what sort of benefit comes from this observance, both to the believers uh, who present their children to be baptized and to the infants themselves who are baptized with sacred water lest uh, anyone despise it as useless and unprofitable. Uh, yet, if it enters anyone's mind to jest at infant baptism on this pretext, he's mocking the command of circumcision by the Lord, so he's making that connection to circumcision. Uh, for what will they bring uh, forward to impugn infant baptism? Blah, blah, blah. There's a thing where he'd, re- he'd said something about the benefits. Um, oh, here it is. Accordingly, this is on th- 1332. Uh, in the second paragraph there, uh, accordingly, let anyone who embrace the promise that God's mercy is to be extended to their children deem it their duty to offer them to the church to be sealed by the symbol of mercy and therefore to arouse themselves to a sure confidence because they see with their very eyes the covenant of the Lord engraved upon the bodies of their children. It's like that's uh, that, that symbolism there is really compelling, you know, um, and uh, and I like to where he said, and I can't find it because I didn't uh, underline it stupidly, but he talks also <laughs> about how uh, it, the parents. Uh, sorry, uh, if a child dies of, to, to, that are, is a child of Christian right. parents and hasn't received the sign of baptism, they're still, they're still fine. Yeah, I and think I was like, that's the same thing. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. I just guessed I was, I couldn't remember that. Fully. One thing I would just say, like, so it means I'm covered, like my kids yeah. are fine. I haven't had a baptized, but, you know, try to make like a, a semi controversial statement. I would say, if God really needed us to know the exact way, the exact mode and timing and of baptism, I think it'd be much more obvious in scripture, but you have two groups of people, Baptists and Presbyterians or whatever, and they both say sola scriptura and they're, and they're both finding that they can come to different conclusions, honestly. And I think there might be something to that. If we think of the providence of God, I'm not saying one view is right or like there's a right. truth and non-truth. I'm not trying to say it's ambiguous, but you're, you're there are certain all wishy-washy postmodern now. Look no, at but there are certain things that scripture is kind of idea for like you, 
is it is it three dips one dip you know like yep. that kind of stuff and i think that that's okay I and mean, we shouldn't be afraid of that i think we're sometimes not allowing the mystery of of some of these things to take hold speaking of mystery paul <laughs> or paul uh calvin calls you are a calvin aren't you the lord's supper yeah that's right this mystical blessing on page 1361 okay it's, it's a secret union i love it he actually calls the uh he calls it a, the Euchar- the Eucharist as well. Yeah. Um, so why not? I, it's I, just Eucharisto means to dude, give thanks, and that is I know, and Jesus what I'm doing thanks, at the table. And Paul says we should give thanks, and the the calls it the Eucharist already. Wait, so did you just sneeze or have a fur ball in your throat or something? Didache. <laughs> Didache. Because I'm from the Netherlands, that's how I talk. Even though it's the worst <laughs> accent in the world. <laughs> Um, I don't know. I find something endearing about the Dutch accent. You know what? I Amen. Yeah. Uh, and he also in 1364 calls the Lord's Supper uh, something that helps us to partake in immortality. This is also very early. Ignatius, the pastor of Paul's sending church of Antioch, mm-hmm. calls it, the, I think, the medicine of immortality. Love it. And I believe that's also on the Didache. Just for you, the Didache. There you go. Thank you. Didache. Much easier in my ears there. Um. So he's sacramental. Uh, I'll give you like my 30 second summary and then you can respond how you think with Lord's Supper. So in my view of Calvin, so I spent some time, I, I've actually funny, I've read him here, but I've also read his like letters to these Lutherans that he's battling. And I think you see there that basically says like the Lord's Supper, it truly exhibits what it signifies, namely Christ in union with him. And if you, when you drink his blood and eat his flesh, you know, symbolically, then there's a true and genuine union. That's how you experience Christ, actually. It's this kind of mystical experience of Christ. But you can't confuse outward sign with inward reality. It's, it's uh, this whole sacramental view of Augustine and Kelvin at the same time. So you take it. It's a reminder. Uh, it, it's the medicine of immortality. It's a means of grace. It's a way to experience Christ. But it's not uh, a transubstantiation. Mm-hmm. Nor, and I know this is a bad word to use, but it's not consubstantiation, which I know well, is kind of an unfair it, term, but... Sort of, but I mean, it's the term that we... It's the term people, people use. Historically have used. So. I'm sure and it, and our, our, our huge it. Lutheran listener base will yeah, be like, oh, yeah. why did you use the word consubstantiation? Don't know what they're talking about. But, but, it, but it is, it's a genuine sacrament. It exhibits truly Christ to us. But if you're an unbeliever and eat it, there's no benefit to you because you, right. you don't have the spiritual faculty, essentially. I mean, this is more vermilia at this point, but you don't have the spiritual faculty to accept that means of grace if you don't, have a, if you don't eat by faith. Yeah, it doesn't have that kind of one-to-one quality as in like Catholic, Roman Catholic and certain Lutheran, the kind of, you know, so-called, what is it? Uh, here's here's my Latin for you. Ex opera, ex, oh gosh, no, I can't remember it. Ex opera operato. <laughs> um, thank you. And uh, right, so that, you know, it's not like you eat it, you immediately get some sort of benefit from it. Um, so Calvin's going to stress the necessity of, of faith. And again, all this is like, because it's, it's again, like he's going to say here, uh, where is it on uh, 1361 that union with Christ right is the key to understanding the benefits of the of the supper right can, so just God... pa- can you pause and reflect on that because both baptism mm-hmm. and the Lord's Supper are about union just talk about yeah. that because that's oh, so it's amazing well he says like godly souls can gather great assurance and delight from this and he flipped the page from this sacrament uh, in it uh, they have a witness of our growth in one body with Christ such that uh, whatever his uh, sorry whatever is his, 
uh, may be called ours. I mean, that's awesome. So like everything Whatever it is, Christ, adoption to son, adoption, forgiveness, sanctification, glorification. All wisdom. that's inherited, right? We inherit it through so, Christ who inherits it himself as this. The so Calvin will son. say the sacraments are not bare signs. They genuinely right. exhibit Christ. And maybe just, it's really, I think I just want to restate this. The sacraments are signs of our union with Christ. And so they're not like, sometimes at church you think, well, you just take this once a month or whatever it is, or this yeah. baptism, you don't think about it, but the sacraments are so vitally connected to union. And so is all the benefits of salvation, justification, sanctification, glorification, adoption of sons, and so on. It's all union with Christ, at least, at least in Calvin, yeah. is the, the central means by which the overflow of God's blessing through Christ, the mediator, comes to us. And it's going to be Zanchi, I believe. He says that, look, even at the resur- in the resurrection or the ascension of Jesus, when by the Spirit unites us to the flesh of Christ. And when, yeah. we're, when we're united to the flesh of Christ, namely his, his humanity, a little bit Nestorian, but we'll just, who cares for now? There's um, always those charges against the Reformed tradition. <laughs> it's, it's, but... it's a pinched Nestorian, but just for the moment, <laughs> then all the benefits that he, gar- that he gained in his humanity and the glorification of his, of his humanity is ours. Um, one might even and, call And that's it what you're Jesus. actually feasting on right is is actually his human nature so instead of like the the elements being transubstantiated mm-hmm. or it, it being somehow in a mysterious way around those elements his human nature as if, if as if the human nature was but but, but the i would say that the sort of inner reality of the human nature by the Holy spirit because as the spirit is christ and is in, inside of him now it's inside of us with the mind of christ yeah well not it, because i think that the, he he he's a person not an it the spirit yeah. well person who, who really cares you can be grieved come on oh, no, no, I'm just kidding. You're right. clearly a person uh, sorry if I, but but you know i agree but it's it's it's, vital. it's so interesting and i think that there's some sort of analogy to draw that there is this internal renewal of grace in the lord's supper in anticipation of the full renewal renewal of the outward and inner man but it's the inner man currently by the holy spirit yeah and i think that yeah. that's what the lord's supper is about well, and, oh, and so, so what Calvin will say it's not the outward food strengthens the body, inward food, I think he yeah. says, strengthens our soul. I like that whole language of like the fittingness of wine, right? So, just as wine has these like positive, well, he must mean grape juice. Yeah, well, of course. I mean, well, just he, he is almost a Baptist, right? As we've just determined. Almost. Um, but, uh, well, you could use must according to Thomas Aquinas, right? Must that's a, it's a non alcoholic. It's it's because it's got uh, the wine in potentia that's not yet been actualized. You can use that, that's must. a Roman Catholic thing, so we should reject it fully. And <laughs> it's just all have, scholasticism. It's all scholastic. I mean, we're gonna just give up. Actually, you know, we're gonna affirm. We're gonna give up the sixteen eighty nine creed, actually, yeah, uh, yeah. because all of that's bad because it's, it's somehow associated with Thomas Aquinas, and we'll just yeah. dive headlong into politics. So bad. Yeah, politics and I'm glad and, you don't know what I'm talking listen, about. Listening to outlaw country. So <clears throat> anyway, uh, so 1362 under number three there, uh, talking the the editors give us the spiritual presence of Christ. Uh, that that's it's a helpful way I think of viewing Calvin um, on on uh, on how Christ is actually present or we're present with Christ. We could even say. Um, so he says in this mm. sacrament uh, we have such full witness of all these things that we must certainly consider them as if Christ here present were Himself set before our eyes and touched by our hands for his word cannot lie or deceive us. He quotes Matthew 26, take, eat, drink. This is my body, which is given for you. This is my blood, which is shed for forgiveness of sins. By bidding us take, he indicates that it is ours by bidding us eat, that it has made one substance with us, right? That's, that's, there's that kind of like real union kind of language by declaring that his body is given for us and his blood shed for us. He teaches that both are not so much his as ours, 
for he took up and laid down both, not for his own advantage, but for our salvation. And indeed, we must carefully observe the very powerful and almost entire force of the sacrament lies in these words, which is given for you, which is shed for you. And that's awesome, right? Like he's like the whole force of the, 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 the whole purpose of this sacrament is because it's for you. And uh, that's so great. Um, and uh, uh, yeah, so his view is, yeah. is, is not that, that, that the body of Christ comes down to us. It's that kind of like in the language of Ephesians 1, that we're, we're seated with Christ in the heavenly places, is that the spirit actually captures us up in that moment and that we're actually right. feasting on Christ in a real spiritual way. Yeah. Four. He also uses the language of up and so on. Hey, I think we should pause here because well, you got to class. Thing to say. Okay, one last, say thing, last thing, thing to say. What is it? 124, so I got to go. But um, he, he is pro John 6. Yes, as as a text for Eucharistic about theology. the re- read the, the comment in the commentary he says it's about the reality of the Lord's Supper, not the Lord's Supper itself, which I think is correct. You knew, you uh, knew with totally Christ. right. I, I completely agree with that because I remember Luther does not agree. I don't think he likes John six. Yeah, and so next week we're going to talk about why you need to pay your taxes. <laughs> what is coming up next week? I should look here. Well, well I think we're doing government or ooh, church, maybe. Ooh, ooh. This is going to get too dangerous here, guys. Um, well, we are kind of dangerous today. We're, we're being a bit edgy, but boy, oh boy, this next one's going to be rough. See you next time.